I'm ready to get in the Word this morning. We are almost done with 2019. Can I get an amen from somebody? How many of y'all excited about getting out of 2019? Uh, some of y'all are like, I don't want to say that. I'm ready to get out of 2019. I'm ready. Look, I've had heart surgery in 2019. I got, I got a baby at home with a sick, with a flu right now in 2019. I, I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the way it happens in my house. Uh, I, I, I'm ready to be out of 2019, but I'm not wanting to be out of 2019 because I'm mad at 2019. I'm wanting to get out of 2019 because I'm expecting about 2020. I'm expecting about something greater. And before you think I'm going to give you some weird theological churchdom cliche about what 2020 is going to be, let me give this to you real quick. 2020 will be better than 2019, but it's all dependent upon you. It is not dependent upon God. So if you're sitting here waiting for 2020 to show up because God's going to perform bigger than he did for you in 2019, you, have, you are sadly mistaken and are missing the whole picture of what God is. God was big in 2019. God will be the same God in 2020. God's just waiting for you to expect that big God to be big in your life. But this is what we do every year. We get into the ends of 2019 or we get into the end of a year. And days before uh, the New Year's, we start doing a thing called New Year's resolutions. Or what I, talk, I like to call hopeless dreams. Come on, come on, work with me for a second. We all do it. We, we step out of Christmas. We get everything that we thought we needed or wanted. And most of your children have stopped playing with the toys you already gave them. Y'all just work with me. I know where we're at. Okay. Uh, uh, and, and so now you're stepping in and you're going, this is going to be the year. This is going to be the year I stop driving through McDonald's. This is going to be the year I stop doing this. This is going to be the year I stop cutting people off and saying bad words. This is going to... This is going to be that year. This is going to be the year that my marriage is going to be restored. This is going to be the year. And God, you're going to do it all. The problem is God already did it all. He's just waiting on you. See, here's the thing. This is the messed up part. We depend on everything else to fulfill the things that we have to do. The Bible says that faith without works is dead. In other words, I can believe for healing in my body. But if I don't change my actions, healing will not come. Why is it that we think that everybody else has to do it for us rather than us stepping up? See, and this is the danger in the church culture today is because we are living a lifestyle based on God being more than what he already is. And then when we don't succeed at the end of the year, we ask God why he didn't show up. God said, I already showed up. I'm just waiting for you. This was funny because I decided to Google search what the top, the top New Year's resolutions are. Oh, these get funny. And I saw a bunch of them. I saw ones for greater, greater impact on social media. How about you have a greater impact for Jesus? How about that? That'd be awesome. Okay, but this is, this is the top 10 2020 goals or, or, or New Year's resolutions that people are setting. Exercise more. We've been making that one for 20 years. Amen. <laughs> I'm going to eat healthier this year. I'm going to lose weight. Y'all got those clothes hanging in your closet that you ain't been in in five years, but you're hoping that one day you're going to get back to your teenage weight. No, you're not. Shut up. Quit telling people that foolishness. I got them sitting there. They're out of style, baby. They ain't coming back. You're going to put them on and go, oh, man, I'm out of style. They've been out of style for 10 years. But I'm going to hold on to them, Pastor. I'm going to hold on to them because you know I look good back in those days, and I can pull out those pictures. You just get depressed when you look at those things. I'm going to exercise more. No, you're going to give a donation to the gym. That's what you're going to do. Back in the day when, we, when, I, when I first started the church, I worked overnights for Crossgates. It was funny because right around the New Year time, everybody came in and got memberships. We jokingly called the first week of the New Year called Donation Week because most people that signed up for a year-long gym membership came the first three weeks and then stopped the rest of the year. 
what was funny was to watch them walk in and scan in, and you'd look at the thing, you goes, man, they ain't been here in six months. Because they just had another moment. Okay, so the first one was always exercise more, and then it's to lose weight was number two. And number three is get organized, amen, and uh, learn a new skill or hobby, live life to the fullest, save more money, spend less money. Quit smoking. That was, that was number seven. Number eight, spend more time with family and friends. Number nine, travel more. Number 10, read more. The funny thing is that, that these top 10 New Year's resolutions have been on the same list for the last five years. They have not changed. When I looked this up, when I Google searched this, okay, be careful what you Google, but when I looked this up, these, this list of top 10 are the same top 10 for the last five years, which tells me something. We're really bad at New Year's resolutions. Because if we were really good at New Year's resolutions, we would make new lists. Come on, work with me. How many of y'all right now are planning for 2020 with things you didn't accomplish in 2019? And you're going, Pastor, this year I'm going to do it. God, this year I'm going to do it. This, this year you're telling your family, I'm going to do it this year. And then when you get to the end of the year, you go, why didn't I accomplish it? The truth be told is, is that we set ourselves up for failure because we are basing our New Year's resolutions on us rather than him. The Bible says that with that I can do all things through Christ. Not I can do all things through me. But yet we set our New Year's resolutions based on what? Me. Based on my abilities, or can I say inabilities, to succeed or produce in a certain area. Or my, we, we want to change a, a thought process or a way of doing things, but the truth be told is that we do not have the wisdom on how to change it. We just like the idea of the results that the change brings. You cannot ask for the results without being willing to learn what the process is to get to the results. Okay, so we, we've been doing this for years, and, and every church does it every year. Come on, set your goals, set your goals, set your goals. You know what my goal is? Live tomorrow. Amen. Wake up in the morning. Because today has enough worries for itself, but tomorrow is a whole new day. If the Bible says that the birds don't even worry about why do I need to worry about tomorrow? Right. I'm just going to be happy to wake up tomorrow. Yeah. Some of us just need to be happy we woke up this morning. You mean you need to be happy about what tomorrow? No, I got a, I have a five-year goal. What if Jesus comes back at four years and 364 days? You're in trouble. God, I didn't make it to my five-year goal. Could we just focus on where we are and where we're going for this moment, not planning? But, Pastor, if you don't have a five-year goal, you're never going to succeed. Then, obviously, you don't know the God that I serve. This morning, I need to ask you to do me a favor. I need you to stop making unkept promises. I need you to stop making the same New Year's resolutions that you've made the last five years and still feel guilty for not obtaining. It's time to reach for and obtain everything God has for us in 2020. But in order for that to happen, you're going to have to stretch. Now, I, I got to say this to you. I got to say this to you. I, I know Sahar's in the room and I know she works out and, and, and I know she doesn't go lift all that weight without stretching first. Can I get an Amen. You're on Facebook, baby. I, I, I saw you lifting that weight, and I cringed. Amen. I, I went, you better you than me. Amen. And, uh, and, and so if you go and just do that, something bad's going to happen. It's going to go pop, pop, and you're going to go crack, crack, and you're going to be in the hospital. And I don't know what I did. Well, you, you didn't prepare yourself for where you were trying to go. The problem is, is that we as believers want God to take us places that we have not stretched to prepare for. Right. That's good. Hmm. 
We say, God, change us. God, do a work in us. But you, you're not stretching. You just want God to move you from point A to point B without any of the process in between. So Har didn't wake up one morning lifting all that weight. She had to start with the baby weights. Amen? She's like, shut up, Pastor Brian. Stop putting me in the middle of your sermon. <laughs> Leslie's not here this morning, so now you're in my sermon. Okay. So you have to prepare yourself for the weight. I love when people go to the gym, right? I'm going to grab that weight. You know, you know what I'm talking about? They, they go to curl and they're slinging their body like this because they're hoping that, you know, I'm going to look like I'm tough because I'm, I'm curling 30-pound dumbbells. Look how bad I am. And then they go home the next day and the next morning they get in the shower to go wash their hair and they go, oh, God. Some of y'all have done this before. You're grabbing your elbow. You're putting it on your head. You're trying to, oh, God. Oh, God, help me. You're leaning up against the wall like, oh, God, help me. I know what happens because you thought you could handle something you didn't stretch for. So here's the thing. I'm three days outside of 2020, and God has a lot in store. I'm just wondering if you're going to stretch for it. Will you prepare yourself for 2020, or will you wait till the new year rings in to tell God what you want him to move you to? God will give you nothing you're not willing to stretch for, because everything God has for you requires you to stretch yourself. Every, read your Bible. There is not one promise in the Bible that happened that someone did not stretch themselves to obtain. And we go, but God, I'm, I'm stretched. I'm not talking about you being stretched because of bad decisions. I'm talking about you willing to be, you willing to stretch outside of your comfort zones, outside of your safe zones, so that you can get where God is calling you to. No more excuses of why you haven't. No more excuses of when you're going to do it. But finally arrive and receive all that God has for you. So this morning, I want to help you step into 2020, not wondering if and when, but with greater expectation. Warning, here's the warning. 2020 is not the year for God to do more for you. Oh, pastor, don't say that. This is the year God's going to give me everything I want. No. This is the year you're going to work for it. And you're going to realize it was sitting there the whole time. It was sitting there the whole time. Listen, how can you respect something you won't invest in? You wonder why people fall away from God? Because God saves them, and then we keep expecting God to save us over and over and over and over and over and over. And so we devalue the salvation of Christ. We just now live in a space where, God, if I screw up, you're going to pick me up. No, I'm going to let you sit for a minute. Somebody came to me one time and said, Pastor, my, my son's in jail. What should I do? Leave him there. But, but Pastor, you know, it's, it's jail. I get it. it. Sucks. But I've been there. Best thing my daddy ever did was leave me because it made me not want to stay. It stretched me out of my comfort zone. No one came and paid my bail. I had to get myself out. Best thing ever happened to me was me sitting in that jail cell and having my life threatened by other inmates. Having an old man look at me and said, I'm never leaving this jail cell, but if you ever come back, I'll kill you because I'm not ever getting out. He said, you have a better life to live in. This one's not it. Don't make the mistakes. I never, I, I see this what I'm trying to say to you is that but we don't want to stretch anymore. We just want God to fix. You think God's tired of fixing your ignorance? I know uh, it got tight real quick. Yes, I remember like that. As soon as I said that, I'm not ignorant, pastor. If you keep expecting God to fix you when he already has, that's called ignorance because that means we are dumb to what he's already done for us. Because I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say this real boldly. I, I think it's time. Uh, you want, 
You want to know why salvations doesn't happen in the church anymore? You know why altar calls aren't packed anymore? Why people aren't being one to the church anymore? And to the things of God anymore? You want to know why? Because we're spending too much time saving the already saved. Salvation after salvation after salvation after salvation after salvation. Save me again. 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 We filled the altars with church members rather than new believers. But God, do something new. I did. Just trying to get you to get on to it. Just trying to get you. Can I tell you what the difference between a, a successful New Year's resolution and a faulty one? Commitment. And I don't mean like a haphazard commitment. I mean like a full all-in commitment. Like, there, there's a reason. Okay, I'm going to be real honest with you. People ask me all the time, Pastor, you want to come work out? No, I don't. Why don't you want to come to the gym? Because I don't want to get up and go when you want to go. My wife asked me, she says, baby, come on, get up in the morning and go. I'm not a morning gym guy. I'm like a 10 o'clock, nobody's in the gym night guy. Get in there, do my stuff, go home. The problem is by the time I get my babies to bed and everybody goes to sleep, I'm too tired to get up and go to the gym. That's my problem. So I got to fix some stuff. But I'm not blaming anybody for my problems. I'm not blaming my kids. I'm not blaming my house. I'm not blaming my spouse. I haven't stretched myself because here's the truth of it. I haven't become uncomfortable with me yet. Oh. I haven't become uncomfortable with Brian yet. There has to come a point where you get uncomfortable with you that causes you to stretch beyond where you are. I, I, I need to get to the point where... This, living like this, and I'm just going to be real honest with you because I can say it because you might not, but I will. I'm not pleasantly plump. I'm not mushy. I'm not, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not even fluffy, Jack. Somebody said, Pastor, you just big boned. I'm not even big boned. I just eat. And if there's sweets in the house, baby, they're getting eaten. Woo! They sent a bag home from Christmas Eve service of chocolate chip cookies. Where do you think those are right now? I'm not going to lie about, Pastor, you were eating you were eating fruit and vegetables, liars. No, I was eating. And then we do what my wife and I do. You know, after the holidays, after the holidays, we'll just stop. You all know what happens after the holidays? Mardi Gras. You know what happens here in Mardi Gras? King cakes. If you met my wife, she's already ordering king cakes. She, she's calling, when's Dong Fong going to open? Can I order one from Randazzo's? When can I get my stuff? When? I'm like, babe, we ain't never going to, we're going to die eating king cakes. We're going to go see the king while we're eating king cakes. Like, I just, enough. And then she, then she tells me, and she's going to get so mad at me because she's going to watch this later. Babe, I love you. I love you. I come home the other day, she's emptied out the dang pantry. I'm taking all the bad foods out. I had to sit on the couch and start laughing. I took them all out. No, okay. What? I'm serious. Okay. Babe, what are you? I'm getting rid of all the bad stuff. For the next 22 days, you are. Then there'll be three king cakes sitting on the counter from three different places. That's if you can wait that long. I said, babe, I, 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 my wife's told me last year, we're going to go vegan. We're going to go keto. We're going to go. And I'm glad the Lord's speaking to you, sweetheart, but he ain't told me yet. So go ahead, ride that ride. I'll see you on the flip side. You're not going to do it with me? No. I know what creates misery in my life. No. Okay, so listen, 2020 is not the year for God. I just went on a tangent for a second. Sorry, guys, I had that fun. 2020 is not the year for God to do more. So I need you to get that out of your head for a second. 
Can, can we do something? Can we stop asking God to do more? God, do more. When is God more than enough? Isn't that what his word says? He says, I am more than enough. I'm Jehovah Jireh, your provider. In other words, the provision has already been made. I am more than you'll ever need. The Bible says, I am the great I am. When you define that, that means he's everything you'll ever need and then some. So why is it that we start every new year asking God to do more? Could this be the year that we finally became more in him? It's not the year for God to do more for you or in you, but for you to finally walk in the fullness of what God has planned for you since the beginning of time. So this morning, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about stretching. So I'm going to title this message very simple. Look at your neighbor and say stretch. Now that doesn't mean stretch like you're tired. Amen. Should have gotten more sleep. I'm talking about stretching outside of you and stretching into the promises that God has for you. So I'm going to give you two stories this morning, two stories, and I'm going to break them down for you because I think you need to hear them. So I'm going to start in the book of Luke chapter 8, the book of Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 43. Turn in your Bibles with me because I need you to get this in your word this morning. Don't wait for me to put them on the screen. Get your Bibles out. The book of Luke chapter 8, verse 43. When you got it, say, I got it. If you're still looking, say, help me, Jesus. Amen. Those those new Christmas Bibles. Amen. All right. Those new... Okay. All right, Luke chapter 8, verse 43, it says this. Now a woman, having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment. I'm reading from a different translation, obviously, this morning. Came came from, okay, verse 45. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you, and you say, Who touched me? But Jesus said, Somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Okay, pastor, that's a great story. We've all heard that story. What are you trying to get out of this? Well, here's where I'm going to break this down for you. Okay, watch. This woman having an issue for 12 years. She had been labeled a pariah by the culture. She had hidden herself in the home because she could not leave. If people found out what she had they thought she was going to die and infectious to all the people around her so she didn't so she stayed at home out of fear of what everyone else said she was a prisoner to people she knew she had a promise but she was a prisoner to things to people to conversations to declarations from other people about her believing what others had said and that morning she heard that Jesus was coming So she got up. She got up and started to get dressed. Now, I'm sure I wasn't there, but I'm going to just kind of walk in the storyline for a second. I'm sure that she thought twice about leaving. Hmm. Could, could Could you imagine 12 years? How many prayers do you think she threw up? 12 years. How much do you think she begged God to fix her? 12 years of an issue of blood. How many times do you think she thought about she'll never be married, never have kids, never have a family? How many times do you think depression snuck into her home? How many times do you think she might have even thought about ending it all? How many times did she lay on the ground in tears hoping for another day? God, 
could this be the day that what the prophets declared would actually happen? Could, could this be the day that I'm healed? Could this be the day that I'm whole? Here's the truth of it. What nobody realized is that all those tears, all that prayer was stretching her for that moment. See, you look, we look at it as, as a bad moment. We, oh, man, how come God wouldn't just fix her? Can I just say this to you as a sidebar? Maybe the reason God's not fixing your stuff is because you haven't stretched. Maybe the reason God's not changing your circumstances, your situation, is because he knows that if he fixes it, you're going to go right back to it because you're not ready for the deliverance he's bringing. How many people wanted Jesus one day cried out Hosanna and the next day cried out crucify him? They weren't prepared for the Messiah yet. But then you got a guy that's sitting on a cross next to Jesus and said, when you die, remember me when you enter into the gates of heaven, who knew his own death was upon him, but yet called out to the Messiah to save him as soon as this ride was over. But yet we're spending our lives complaining to God about what he hasn't done. It's not that God hasn't done it. It's that we're sitting at home in our bedrooms complaining about what we don't have rather than getting dressed and bucking up and walking out and going and seeing him. Pastor, if you just knew my problem, I don't need to know your problem. I'm not God. I'm pastor. He's God. Go to him. Pastor, if you just knew my past. The only reason you have a past is because he hasn't become your present and future yet. Because I got a past. But my past doesn't determine my promise, my present, or my future. My past doesn't even determine my purpose. But I had to be stretched. Can I just tell you this? I believe jail stretched me. <gasps> Pastor, I can't come to this church. You went to jail. I can't come to your house. <laughs> it's amazing. Pastor, I believe your heart thing was an attack from the enemy. No, it's just stupid genetics. And God sent a doctor to bring healing to my body, but it stretched me. Because it took a kid who was morbidly fear, had a morbid fear of death, of not living. It would create anxiety on the inside of me. And then God walked me through a process where I had to confront death rather than run from death. And then the moment of confronting death, I realized that I had a greater promise than I did not need to worry about life. See, what I'm saying to you is that we, we spend all of our time complaining about where we are. But where are you going? Where are you headed? Is this really the end or is this just a stepping stone? Is this the end of the ride or are you on your way to your promise? This woman is in her house for 12 years. Here's the way I'm going to choose to see it. Because she knew that there was a Messiah coming. She might not have known when, but she heard. She had a promise. We want to immediately go to the fact that she was depressed, probably wanted to end her life. She had been doing this for 12 years. She probably laid on her floor crying out. But what if every morning she woke up and said, God, I'm yours, you're mine. And whatever you want me to walk through, I'll walk through it. And I know there's an appointed time for everything. And whether you choose to heal me in this life or the life hereafter, Father, whatever you choose, I'll walk it. But while I'm here, I'll still keep declaring your promises and your blessings and your word done to all generations. I'll stand in the midst of this struggle because I know you got, see, that's the stretch. That's the stretch. So that morning she heard the Messiah is coming. Jesus is in the town. Whew. You know what's sad though? Some of us need to see Jesus in order to get where he's calling us. Instead of knowing that he's already come, we got to see him for the first time. But this woman gets up, she gets dressed, and she leaves her house. She presses through the crowd. Now, understanding that most of the people in the crowd probably knew who she was. 
most of the people in the crowd probably knew the issue she had. I could just kind of imagine. They see her coming. Oh, back away. It's that girl. Watch out. And the Bible says, the Bible says in, in, uh, in verse 44, it says she came behind him and touched the border of his garment. Now, you got to understand, she, she came from behind him. Uh, uh, Dylan, come here for a second. Uh, just stand right here. You'll, you'll play the role of Jesus. Ben, come here for a second. Uh, Carmina, Rodney, uh, Joshua, come here for a second. Quickly, quickly, quickly. So you're going to stand here. I need y'all to stand like a crowd behind Jesus, just kind of like a crowd. So I, I can't really get to him. So here's the problem. You have to know that you have a promise to press through. Got it? You have to have a promise to press through. She could see the Messiah, but could not touch the Messiah. Could you imagine that maybe she sat at home and worked on her stretching skills? Then maybe she sat at home and said, I might not be able to get to him, but if I can just figure out a way to to get. So, so, okay, here's the crowd. and, And I know that. Ah, okay, stretch, stretch, I gotta stretch, I gotta stretch. I've been, been waiting for this moment. See, here's the problem. We let the crowds detect the promise, de- de- defect the promise, create an issue for the promise. And you keep seeing the crowds and you go, I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to, they're, they're blocking me. I can't get to Jesus. You don't need to get to his face. You just have to touch the hem of his garment. If I could just but touch the hem of his garment. I, I could imagine uh, the crowd. Come on, get a little tighter. Get a little tighter. We're talking a crowd, guys. We're talking a crowd. Come on, crowds. Y'all been in crowds before. Y'all been to concerts before. The Bible says that they thronged him. Y'all understand what thronging is? They were pulling on him. They were tugging at him. Come on, what, y'all get this is called an interactive message. They were pulling on him and tugging on him. They, they, were, they, were, they were pulling on him and tugging on him. Now stop for a second. Stop for a second. Here's the crazy part. None of them understood what they were grabbing. Watch, watch, the one that stretched, the one that had been waiting for this moment, the one that had been waiting for 2020, the one that had been stretching leading up to the moment, said, he, said that while they were thronging him, she reached out and touched him, and then he immediately stopped. And this is what it says. It says, in that moment, he stopped and he said, who touched me? And the disciples said to Jesus, he said, Jesus, come on, seriously, do you see all these people touching you? He said, I do, but somebody pulled on the power on the inside of me. You'll catch us in a minute. The stretch puts you in position to pull the power of God out and have it come into you and change you forever. But there was a process before the moment. We are waiting for the moment, but we are not willing to do the process. You might have been in 12 years of struggle, but baby, 2020 means Jesus is coming, and all you got to do is get out there and grab him. That's good, good, Pastor. Want to be thronged again? Okay, good. Go sit down. (laughs) What have you been through? Ooh, got weird in the room all of a sudden. You saw that? Come on, everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a struggle. What have you been through last year? Oh, but Pastor, you don't understand how bad it's been. No, but I understand how good God is. But Pastor, you don't understand. I don't know if it's ever going to change. It'll only never change if you don't change. Ah. 
He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the lily of the valley, the rose of share. He's Jehovah Jireh, my provider, Jehovah Sikhanu, Jehovah Shalom, my peace. I could do this all day long. I could tell you about all the goodness of God, but it doesn't matter whether I tell you or not. It matters whether you believe it or not. No one stops you from getting to God but you. She could have walked out of that house that morning, seen the crowd, and been like, oh, nope, never mind. Today is not the day. There's too many people. And they're going to see me, and if they see me, they're going to call out my, my, my faults and my struggles, and, and I'm going to get labeled all over again, and then, I, then I'm going to go back to my house, and, and there's going to be another day. No, she went with purpose. I'm going to go back to Zahar for a second. You've stretched. You've prepared. You picked up that weight the other day, and you went, got it. Why? Because you were ready for what was coming. Stop looking at where you've been or what you're going through as if God has quit on you. But maybe this is the moment that God is stretching you so that he can prepare you for his arrival to receive everything he has for you. Stop walking around going, I'm broken. You're only broken if you choose to be broken. You're only broken if you choose to not let the carpenter come in and fix you. If you choose not to be the clay on the potter's wheel and let the potter mold and make you, you're only broken if you choose to shatter yourself. Stop telling me that the world has shattered you. Stop telling me that your family members have shattered you. Stop giving everybody authority over your life. I got family stories for days. I could tell you about all the junk I went through as a kid. I could tell you all the junk I went through as an adult. Or I could just choose to tell you that my God's bigger than all that foolishness and that that stuff doesn't dictate what I'm going through. Let me help you with something. My dad not being a great dad turned me into a really big, loving father to my kids. Well, Pastor, I I just don't. No, no, you just got to suck it up, buttercup, and get over it. Pastor, you don't. It's just not that easy. Yes, it is. It's as easy as you coming to the altar and asking Christ into your heart. It's as easy as allowing him in to to change you and to transform you, not for you to sit in this room another day and play like you're fixed when you're really broken. It's truly allowing God to have the broken pieces instead of hiding them in your little bag of tricks, hoping that he doesn't call them out. It's time that we stop complaining about where we've been for the last 10 years, the last one year, and walk into, listen, I will not, when when I step over into 2020, right? When I step over into 2020, when I step over into 2020, 2019 is just a past. It holds no promise to 2020 for me. But pastor, everything you did in 2019 will set you up. No, I serve a God that says, behold, all things have become new. I choose to leave 2019 behind. She chose to leave 12 years of pain behind for one moment with Jesus. Can I just say this to you? The difference between you getting where you need to get in 2020 and you staying where you are in 2019 is determined on what you choose to touch before you get there. What are you going to reach for? Your own stuff or for him? I'll give you one more story. You get anything out of this yet? Yeah. Good. Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. In verse 9, it says this. Now, when he had departed from there, he went into their synagogue, and behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse him? Then he said to them, what man is there among you 
who has one sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out. Of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, do what? My version says, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. Would you let God touch your 2019 before you get into 2020? Or are you spending your next three days trying to bury 2019 so that no one sees it in 2020? Because, see, when I was writing this and I was laying this out, God started to deal with my heart on some things. He said, Brian, there's some areas in your life that you didn't give me in 2019. Oh, the pastor didn't give God everything. I don't know. Did you? I'm sorry. I'm not super holy. I'm working at it. This is a process. There are things I've argued with God on. I'm sorry. I, I have. There are, there are moments where I just, I, I had battles. Can I, can I get a name in from somebody that's not hyper-religious in here? Okay. I had moments. But God said, there's some areas in you, Brian, that I'm going to require out of you in 2020. But then 2019, it was your withered hand. And in order for me to get a hold of that and fix it, I need you to stretch it out. But God, if you see it, you might be displeased. Here's the funny thing that we don't seem to think about God, that he didn't see it before we stretched it out. See, the stretching is not so God can see the withered hand. The stretching is so that you can let go of the withered hand. See, culture has created a space in us to hide rather than publicize. So hide your secrets. Hide your pains, hide your struggles, hide your moments, rather than presenting them to God and saying, God, I can't go into a new year with this stuff. God, here, here's, here's my withered hand. It's amazing to me, church culture is worse than anybody. Because the church cultures acts like they're perfect when really they're jacked up from the neck up. I, I'm going to say this very bluntly, very, very harshly. I am so tired of an unreal church. Don't look at me, hey, my own pastor, I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Then why are you crying? <laughs> I don't know. That's just the joy of the Lord. No, it's not. You're broke right now. Didn't admit to it. No, I don't want to admit I'm broke. If I admit I'm broke, that gives the enemy opportunity. No, it doesn't. It brings yourself to the altar of God and saying, God, fix what I can't deal with, what I can't change. Fix me, God. I can't change this, and I need a Savior in this moment. Yeah, Pastor, I want to do this, I want to do this. How about you get your life right first, and then we'll talk about it. Pastor, I want to do this in ministry. Great. Can you do that in your own life? Pastor, I want to, I want to, do a, I want to, I want to speak to married couples. Fix your marriage. It's amazing. The things, watch this, the things that God calls us to do are typically the areas we struggle in the most. The very things that God calls us to do. And I'm not talking about preaching. I'm talking about standing in the pulpit. I'm talking about just day-to-day living in the lives of other people. The things that God lays on our heart to do are typically the things that are most difficult for us to overcome. Because here's the truth of it. There is nothing God will call you to do that will not require him to succeed at. Ooh, it gets quiet. Well, Pastor, I've got the strength to do it. You do. In your own right, you probably do. But let me help you with something. You will come to a point that without God, it will not be possible. 
There has to become, there has to come a dependency in the walk of a believer who depends on God, not visits God. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That says, God, without you, I can't do this. Now, this makes most people, and I'm going to say this is a sidebar, this makes most men cringe. When I say that you have to be dependent, I know sissy pastor, I don't need God that much. I'm tough. No, you're not. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Goliath was a giant and got killed by a David. He wasn't that bad. David called on God and killed Goliath. Goliath went to the floor. Goliath didn't call on God because he was tough in his own right, and he died by a stone. Then got his head cut off. And then David went to Goliath's hometown and held up his head and said, if y'all don't stop, this is going to be all y'all's fate. See, the truth is, is that David's strength was found in God. He, was, he, he understood that he was not as strong as the rest, that he was not as big as the rest, but with God, he could conquer anything in front of him. This, listen, 2020 is not about you getting into it and then asking God to show up. I need you for the next three days to get God in you so that when 2020 shows up, you and God can just go. There is nothing. Listen, whatever you want from God, whatever you want to do with God is possible. But you better hold on to the hand of the man that walks on the water, not the one who posts crap on Instagram. Well, I got to be like so-and-so. No, you don't. You got to be you. You got to trust what God made in you. You got to trust the deposit he's placed in you. And you got to walk in it every day of your life and know that God's got a plan and you just got to do it. And that was not a plug for Nike. But you got to just do it. He looked at that man and said, stretch out your hand. Did the Bible say that he thought about it? Did the Bible say he contemplated it? Come on, work with me for a second. Y'all know what he probably did for that withered hand for years. Hey, how are you? How are you? Can I help you with something real quick? Your weathered hand will validate you in a world that needs to see that not everybody's perfect. Mm. Somebody said this to me that years ago. I, I, was, I was in a message, I was in a service, and the pastor said this. He said, Why would you want to follow Jesus without his scars? It says that when Jesus came from the grave, what did he show? Why? It wasn't identifying that he was the one on the cross, it was identifying that he was the one worth following. Hmm. He said, he said, listen, listen, I, I know you see these things and listen, I, I know these things are, are bewildering to you, but look, look on my back. Those, those are all the stripes that I took for you. And, and these are the nails that you'd heard about from the prophets long before I ever even arrived, that I'd be crucified, that I would die on an old rugged cross so that you might be saved. And I'm, I'm standing in front of you. Why would you ever want to go on a mission in this lifetime with someone who's never been in war? I'm going to go into fighting with somebody who's been through a fight. And so I'm going to grab a hold of God. The man with the withered hand was always living his life like this. I, I probably don't want anybody to see it. That, that's where I think it might have happened. But, but see, that's what we tend to do as a culture. We tend to make it the negative rather than the positive. Maybe this man every day of his life went to the synagogue, went into church and went like this. And while the crowd looked at him and said, look, there's the man with the withered hand. You know, he's got a messed up life. He probably made the, he, God probably made his hand look like that because he did something stupid. And, and, and look, 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 he's not as holy. Look, I got two whole hands. He's got one best of hand. Look how good I am. Look, God, you and me, are, we're perfect, but he's broken. Sound like the church? <laughs> Maybe every day of his life, he went into the synagogue and said, God, I don't know when you're going to do it, but I'm going to trust you. And in the process of everybody talking about me, in the process of everybody pointing out my mistakes and my struggles, everybody pointing out my withered hand, I'm going to lift up that thing and worship you. So that it was preparation so that when Jesus came on the scene and he said, stretch out your withered hand, that brother said, here you go. 
I've been stretching my whole life for this moment. I've been waiting for you to call this thing out. I've been lifting it up in worship. I've been waving it at you the whole time. And you showed up and you said, here you go. I've been stretching for this moment. I've been waiting for this second. I've been waiting for this to arrive. Can I just say this to you as a sidebar real quick? Jesus is here. Will you stretch it out? Or are you going to carry it in 2019 hoping it'll go away? Can I, can I give you some news real quick? You're not broken. You're not downtrodden. You're not heavy laden. You're not dismayed. That's a lie. You are the righteousness of God. I love it to say it this way. You're his favorite. Yes, all of you are his favorite. And this morning he's saying, listen, what will 2020 be that 2019 wasn't? 2020 will only be what 2019 wasn't if you desire and choose to do more than you did. But I'm not talking about more belly aching and more murmuring. I'm not talking about more fussing and arguing. I'm not talking about more complaining and being disdained. I'm talking about choosing to believe in the God that you serve. If he is everything, watch, then why haven't you become that yet? If Christ dwells in me, the hope of glory dwells in me. This is what your Bible says. It dwells in me. If that resides on the inside of me, then why am I still messed up? It's because I haven't subscribed to the fact or I have not let him have access to dwell. I've just let him visit on Sundays. Can, can I just can I say this to you? In the polarization of the culture of politics and all this foolishness that everybody wants to get caught up in. And you want to be an anti-Trump, pro-Trump, this, that, and the other. Pro-Democrat, Republican, whatever you're independent, liberal. I, I, don't, I don't even care. Don't come to me and tell me your political beliefs. I don't give a rip. I can say something else, but I'm going to curb my tongue. And I don't think God cares either. But for some reason, in the polarization of where we are as a culture today, we think our opinions matter. If your opinion matters, then your God doesn't. Because it's just your opinion. I'm going to hold on to this word. And, and I'll give you something just to make you frustrated. Because that's what the word does for me. In a good way. It says that every king, every magistrate, is appointed by God. I'm going to give you, and I'm, I'm really not trying to get into this this morning, but I got to say it. Because I, I gotta, we got to leave this junk behind us. Oh, I'm so sick of the separation, segregation, dehumanization of our own people just because we want to look at colors rather than the heart of a person. For the Bible says that God does not judge the outside but judges the inside, the heart content of a person. Could we all start acting like believers rather than separatists? 
I'll never forget, my dad was in the military. He was an Air Force lieutenant colonel. And I remember when Bill Clinton made his mistake, and I walked into his office, and I was like, that dude's an idiot. My dad stood up, and I knew what my dad thought. My dad stood up and said, shut your mouth. I'm like, what? I know you don't like him. This is what he said to me. He said, that man is still my commander-in-chief, and I will respect him as long as he has that office. You might not like what's happening, but the only reason you talk about it is because you don't pray about it. If we have to sit and make posts and call people so we can have conversations, isn't that just a distraction of the enemy to get the word out of your mouth and get complaining into your spirit? But pastor, it's injustice. All right, stand up for justice. But in the same right, stand up for righteousness. Stand up for holiness. Stand up for godliness. Stand up for the things of God, not the things of this world. Stop. Listen, 2020 cannot carry what 2019 carried. We cannot do it. They always say that history is, is always set to repeat itself. Listen, it could change if we choose to stretch. We're not caught up of whether a church looks black or white, but that a church is a church and it welcomes and loves those who come in so that we can live and love God together. We're not so caught up in whether we fit social spaces or we, we're popular or unpopular. Jesus, it still sounds like high school. Whether you're in the clique or not in the clique, whether you're friends or not in the friendship zone, whatever you are, good God, can we stop? Because here's the dangers of where we are right now. We are not moving forward. We're moving backwards. We are going from adulthood to an infantile space where we act like babies again, crying out for milk when we used to eat steak. Crying out. Ooh, I got to be careful. Jesus, help me. No, I'm not going to do it. Crying out for mammary glands. That's a better way of putting it. Amen. Than just growing up and eating what you're supposed to eat. The Bible is full of steak. He says, if you want to stay a baby, keep, keep drinking from your mama. Or you can grow up and walk in the fullness of everything I have for you. And listen, I understand what I'm preaching right now is not popular. Pastor, tell me how great 2020 is going to be. I'm, I'm going to tell you how great 2020 is going to be. It's all dependent on you. It's all dependent on you and this book. If this book is not involved in you, 2020 is going to look worse than 2019. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I said it. Mark my words. December, what's today's date? 29th? Good. Mark it. 29th, 2019. Pastor Brian said this. If I don't put the word in my life in 2020, 2020 is going to look worse than 2019 did. Because you can't grab a hold of what's next if you won't let the word of God stretch you. I just want your preaching to stretch me. Oh, God. <laughs> My preaching stretches me, man. Come on. Stretch yourself. Oh, I know here's a kicker. Go home and pray. Go home and fast. Go home and worship. So that when we come together, it's not a surprise to you. It's like, ooh, I've been here all week long. This is awesome. You know why it's even better? Because in the symphony or the orchestra of all of us as believers coming together, 
this is crazy. Rather than us coming into worship and taking two songs to get you back in the mood. And when I preach the Bible, people go, that's too harsh. That's too harsh. That's too harsh. Man, if you'd have lived in Jesus' days, he would have offended you so bad. (laughs) He'd have made you so angry. No, he was a loving Jesus. Yeah, he was. My daddy loved me too when he spanked my butt. He did it. I'm going to spank it because I love you. I wanted to always give back the love but never got bold enough to do it. (laughs) How is your 2020 going to look? Are you stretched? Because I'm going to go back to it again. If if Sahar asks me tomorrow, you want to go work out? No, I'm not ready for that. No. Pastor, you mean she probably lifts more than you? Yes, and I will admit to it. Yes, she's stronger than me. (laughs) Praise God for her. I know where my weakness is. But I know if I want to get somewhere, I'm going to have to stretch myself to get to it. So what am I going to stretch myself for for 2020? Let me give you a few of them. I'm going to be a better husband. Notice I didn't say my wife's going to be a better wife. I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better father. The other night I was my son. You know Christmas will get on your last nerves when you've got four kids. Christmas was great. Now, my kids drove me up a wall. <laughs> Asher's Asher wanting to pull out everything. And he, I said, Asher, not tonight. He looks at me and goes, Dad, why do you always say no? <laughs> Can I be honest with you? That wrecked me. That hurt my heart. I went to my wife that night. I said, do you hear what Asher told me? I don't want to be the dad that always says no. I don't want him to look at me and go, I can't have fun if dad's in the room. So one of my commitments for 2020 is to be a yes dad. Dad, can I touch your iPad? Here you go. Like, I even joked around, like, I, and the, luckily my kids aren't in the room right now, so I'm good. But I even thought about, like, once every quarter having a yes day. Whatever you want to do, I'll say yes, as long as it's not going to put me in jail, make us go bankrupt, or lose the house. But I want to say yes. Why? Because if I can get my kids to understand the yes then they'll understand his yes in their lives. That God is not the God of no's. But he's a God that wants to have fun. So my kids and my wife, and I, 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 I committed to this. This was this morning as I was getting ready. God was talking to me this morning. I was in the bathroom brushing my teeth. And, and God says, okay, I got those areas out of your life. He said, but what will you do better in 2020 when it comes to the church? He said, one area I will always live in is the uncompromised word of God. I will never compromise scripture. I will not do it for your benefit. I will not do it so you feel good. I will give you the fullness of the word. But one of the areas God really laid on my heart, as he said, is he said, what will you do for the church? And 
and, and I said, God, I will commit to a deeper level of your word so that I can give greater keys to victory because I want to lead a church that's victorious. See, here's the thing. I can't expect you to be victorious if I don't lead you that direction. My responsibility as pastor is to give you the word, give you, show you the light that I'm following and get you to walk in that direction. But that's my responsibility, so I have to dig deeper. I can promise to love greater and be more available and do all those things within reason because my family is my first ministry. I pastor one big church, but my first church is the Dean Church. And if I don't pastor them, if I don't love and lead them, then I can never love and lead here. So what will you do? How will you stretch that? I, I, I'm working at that piece. I feel like 13 years of pastoring has led me to this moment. I'm believing God in 2020 for a piece of property with a building on it. I'm believing in 2020. And I'm not talking about late 2020. I'm talking about early 2020. Pastor, where are we going? I don't have a clue yet. But I can tell you what I'm believing for. I'm believing God for a multicultural, multi-ethnicity church, which is taboo in these areas. But yet we seem to be breaking down the walls on a consistent basis. We stop looking at the color of skin of people and just love people for who they are and accept people where they are and live to love them as, lo as God has loved us. Why? Because the mission is love God, love people. Maybe everything we've been through, maybe all the struggles we've been through is to get us to this point. Years ago, when we changed the name of the church, last part, I'm done. When we changed the name of the church, we were Destiny Prayer Center for years, and then I went through something, and we changed the name of the church to the house. And I remember sitting with Kirk and Ralph, and I said, you know what? I just kind of, I don't even care about the Destiny Prayer Center days. They're null and void in my head. They're out. Kirk sat down and he said, Pastor, you can't nullify and void out what we did for those years because those years were preparation for these years. That's where I used to go because it was pain and it was struggle in those years. Come on, work with me. Most of us want to get rid of where we've been. Celebrate where you've been. Thank God for the hardships. Thank God for the struggles. Celebrate. Worship Him in the middle of them. And watch what it does to you to get you to that place. I thank God for Destiny Prayer Center. I thank, those, I thank God for those that are in this room that came from Destiny Prayer Center. I thank God for the house slide out. I thank God for everything we've been through and every moment we've walked through and every valley we've walked through and every mountaintop we've celebrated at. I, I thank Him for everything. But here's the great part. I'm walking into 2020 not looking over my shoulder. I'm walking into 2020 marching forward because of where I've been for the last 13 years. Celebrate it. Stretch yourself. Press through the crowd. Put out your withered hand. I mean, if you're not good, let God fix it. If your marriage is in shambles, let him have it. If your finances are broken, give it to him and trust me, he'll work it out. If your kids are unruly and you can't fix it, submit them back to him. 
And understand that you weren't created to fix what you didn't create. It's in his hands. It's in his timing. You sit in this room and pastor, these all sound great, but I, I don't even, I mean, I, how am I going to walk into 2020? This great thing is that you can sit right where you are right now. And you don't even need me to make you stand up and close your eyes and raise your hand and do all that foolishness the church does. But you can sit right now in your seat, wherever you are right in this moment, and just say, Jesus, can you come in my heart? Because I need you right now. You can sit in the middle of your living room on a couch this afternoon watching the Saints game, hopefully keeping your tongue clean. Amen. And ask Christ to come dwell in the inside of you and in your home. You, you, can, you can do You don't need me to do it. You just need the Savior to come in. I'll tell you this. I thank God for everything I've been through. Somebody said to me one time, Pastor, would you change? No, not a thing. Why? Because all that made me for this moment. You're in this moment because of what you've been through. You have stories to tell, people to talk to, lives to lead, declarations to be made, songs to be sung, worship to be uplifted, declarations to come out of your mouth, prayers to be prayed, miracles to be seen. All that stands right in front of you. This is not another one of those New Year's messages. This is another one of those. This is the day the Lord has made. And I will choose to rejoice and be glad in it. Because if this is the day, then tomorrow will be the day. And Tuesday will be the day. So that when Wednesday comes into fruition, January 1st, 2020, then that will be the day. Some of you have, Pastor, I want to serve. I want to do this. I want to be a part of this. What's holding you? I'm not. Don't let your own limitations, don't let the crowd, don't let your withered hand keep you. Stretch and watch what God does with you in 2020. Everybody stand to your feet. I'm going to say this to you, and I'm going to say it completely biased. I pastor the greatest church. In the world. I get the honor to stand here and do this every week. So God, just for a moment, I just want to say thank you. According to my doctors, this could have been my last year. But yet you decided that I shall live and not die. But God, I don't believe you did it for me. You did it so I could keep declaring, keep decreeing. Father, whatever the, the people in this room have walked through this last year, help them to see it that way. That everything that they've been through is so that they can keep decreeing, keep declaring.